The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. The one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. Hello there and welcome to The Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows. Uh, Chris Wellerman, you alright? Yeah, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Did you? I mean, well, happy got, new year to you as well. Well, yeah, yeah happy new year. And um, we let people in on the secret on some of the other podcasts that we recorded that we kind of did a lot pre-Christmas um, to get us through that new year period. So this is like our first recording of the new year. It's 2019. The future's arrived. What a time to be alive! No, exactly. Uh, I think we've done those pre-records because you wanted to to live it up. No, 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 and, uh, no, no, no. You weren't willing no, to no. come in. Look, be Every, honest. We're all friends here. Everybody you, knows. You're such an open, honest guy. Let's put it out there. Let's just lay it out, mate. Everybody knows. Should I see a digger? <laughs> yes, that's my nickname, Shay Alfonyana. Hello, by the way, Shay. Hello, how are Shea, you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, yeah, we at the beginning of this podcast, Shay, we tried to come up with new nicknames for us, and so I got Digger Burrows, um, oh, nice. and Loom's kind of just ended up with the nicknames he's already had throughout his career anyway. Oh. Did you ever have any nicknames? Uh, any nicknames you, you can actually you tell really us? You want to go there? Do you, are you sure you want to go there? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah. what, what did you have? Um, well, I just got named after a football player, to be fair. Did you? Patrick Vieira. I never lived up to it. I don't think I would ever. Well, there's people in this player. room that would argue differently. Got but... a bit, yeah. Got a bit. <laughs> George Opongwe as well, the Liberian president. Oh, yeah. I didn't even believe that. George, yeah, see, well, we'll talk a bit because you obviously have digressed into lots of different things during your career and after your career so maybe politics could be one of them we'll talk about Definitely. that a little bit later on I'd love very to see interesting. I'd love to very see President Oliver yeah that would be amazing um, so yeah but over Christmas Shay as you know because you're in the game still we have a lot to do we're at games we're working at games we go and prepare for them other people <laughs> Mr. Awellamo over there absolutely living up the party life are we naming names now well, if in twenty years I made so many sacrifices, can you please let me have this? No, can you, not, no, you can't this come is, for me I now. Tell you what, this is, an, right. this is an interesting conversation. But you're taking us completely off. Just like you said, for so many years you have this sacrifice, and I, I sort of said to my wife, "Don't worry, when I'm done playing football, that's me done. We're gonna have a lovely Christmas." And I'm well, I'm still doing the same now. <laughs> still getting busy. I'm getting sticks at home now. <laughs> but do you, I mean, do you are you on social media? Do you follow him on Instagram? Yeah, I've got to. Like, if you look at his Instagram, like, I, I spoke to him the other day and I said to him, I don't know why he has a kitchen at his house because he is out for dinner every single night. Just always out for dinner. He is, that's, though, isn't he? Other true, people really, in the room. Yanni's at the back of the room. Yanni, he's nodding. Not get, I can't see you, Yanni. <laughs> it's not true, is it? He is. He's nodding. Did I cook last night? Well, you did. Yeah, you did cook a little bit last night. It's yeah. called strategic planning. Sometimes you go out to this thing not because you want to eat some food, but you go and make things happen. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that, sounds like, that sounds like a very different story. Maybe not quite for this podcast, maybe for something else. Um, we also, by the way, Shay, me and Looms have taken our relationship to a different level. That sounds rude, doesn't it? Um, exactly, I was wondering. The other day, Looms, Looms sends me a message and he's like, so where exactly is it that you live? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I live in this place. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe he's coming down to visit or something. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Or to take me out or something. He's like, oh, no, actually, I need to get something for my daughter. And it's at a shop near you. So can you go in? They're holding it for me, Chris Owellamo. So just go in and say that you know you need to pick up these shoes. So I go into the shop, right? And I then very quickly realise that they're holding them for Chris Awellamo. I am not Chris Awellamo. But I have to pretend to be. 
tell you what, you look, <laughs> you look alike. Skywalker. Well, I mean, look, 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 look at Josh's. He nearly spat his tea out. So, uh, and obviously, there are very physical differences between me and Looms. You know, I'm quite chubby and I've got a beard, and Looms can't grow facial hair. Um, but we also. <laughs> yes, we're back today. Can I just put this? <laughs> so, so I go in and I make the decision, Shay, that if I'm going to pull this off at all, I'm going to have to do the accent. Go on then. So I go in. Oh, excuse me there. Hey, I got some shoes for Chris. Hey, Chris Wellmore. <laughs> right? Now he takes the mickey out of my accent. That woman went and got the shoes. So that says to me that I pulled off a perfect Chris Wellmore impression. Uh, I've got to say, I really appreciate that as well. Terrible. And it was, it was just, I just remember you mentioning that they'd sold out. They They'd had sold out all over the country, mate. There's all, this he was one, desperate. I beg to disagree. And it's for my like daughter's it. birthday, but I appreciate you. And I thank you very much for getting them for me. He's giving me stick here, that my Scottish yeah. accent is not right. It, it was all right. It's, it's it was a good right. offer, Mr. Banker, but no deal. <laughs> no deal. <laughs> so anyway, I now have these shoes, Shay. And I know that he wants them. So okay. the price is going up every single minute. Brilliant. Put it on the internet, didn't they? You didn't get an offers. I sent him a message straight away saying, I have the merchandise, but I also have buyers around the world. The price is going up. Brilliant. <laughs> it's going to be superb. Um, so, yeah, so that's our, we're now on this where I'm now his personal shopper as well as his uh, podcast co host. You're my everything, mate. Oh. A friend in need. <laughs> a friend in need is, is a friend, friend indeed. indeed. Um, one of the things that we want to get into and talk about, and we'll talk about a bit more on the show about your kind of new role at the club, but there's something that really stuck out to me that I wanted to talk about on this part of the podcast, and it's that something that Looms has been passionate about um, in previous episodes, because you did it in your career, is going abroad and taking that opportunity to go and play games. Yep. Shay, you did it early on in your career as well. You went to Norway, didn't you? I did. And Looms, you went to Denmark. Yeah. And part of Shay's job now is looking after the young Wolves players who are going out on loan. And I know you're very passionate, Shay, about players taking that opportunity and going and experiencing everything that football has to offer, be it new cultures and learning and growing and maturing from that. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, fair to say. I mean, it's, um, I mean I'm loving the role at the moment. It's, um, it's a good opportunity to sort of pass on to the younger kids, what you've learned over the years. And, you know, like myself, I, I left the shores of Nigeria. It's very much culturally different to, to, to the Norwegian culture, as you, as you would imagine. And um, the best ones settle very, very quickly. The best ones adapt very, very quickly. No complaints, no mourning, just get on with it. It's, it's life. And I think that's missing a little bit in the, in, the, in the game today. Young boys want to feel very, very comfortable. And it's, it's our responsibility as... as a staff to sort of make make sure they come it's out of that comfort. Of course, they need challenging. Yes, make it uncomfortable, make it difficult because football, I say to a lot of people, is very very life related. It, yeah. it won't be smooth all the way, and that's your football career all you through your journey. And as a football player, you find it easy in some some places. It won't be so easy in other places. The best ones are the ones that respond to all occasions. You said it was something interesting. You said uh, off here about the player setting themselves targets and goals. Now, for me, the, these young players, they go. I want them to go out and play. I want them to go anywhere in the world to play the football to progress. But that's just to get the football, to get the experience of playing men's football, as they say. But you yeah. took it to another level. You're saying, right, wait a minute, if you go and play, what is your target for that month? Is it five games? When you yeah. reach that five games, what is it then? And yeah. It's all about progression. So yeah. 
you know, individually players are different. Where, where is it that you take that? Where, do you, where is it you get that from? What is it you want from the player when they do go out and 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 play these games and go to other clubs on loan? I think I just to that explain from what I sort of learned. I I've had to learn football the hard way, by the way. I, I, I mean, being from Nigeria and. Um, playing football on the streets and it's just all raw talents and there's no structure to everything we yeah. did and all of a sudden I found myself in Norway and they, they taught me a little bit but where I'm going with that is I learned a lot over the at the back end of my career I wish someone sort of sat me down to say if you can do this and do this and make me understand the nitty-gritty of what would be required to sort of get myself to where I wanted to get to maybe I would have played a little bit maybe bigger but played more in the Premier League which yeah. I mean looking back now I miss a lot I can then I can then transfer that to these young kids such, such that they can learn that very very quickly and actually embrace the, the negative part of the game. Yeah. What what is required from the individual? Like you said, individuals are different. Centre forwards. What kind of centre forward are you? Are you the type that want to hold up the play? Are you the type that just you're just a fox in the box? Yeah. How can we then challenge you to sort of get the best out of you to learn your trade and know how what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are? Because if we're not careful, these guys just play football like I did when I was eighteen and seventeen, and I thought yeah. I thought I was all right, but actually there's more to it than that it's about learning it's about adding layers to it even to the best ones that I think they're doing very well now what can you add to it because it, it, you, you, need to, you need it on the back end of your career yeah, definitely not what you see I mean it's it's fascinating that um, when you were because is it true it's on it's on the internet and you know you can never believe everything that's on the internet um, that you you have a degree in chemical engineering very correct when did you do did you do that before football I was playing professional football in Nigeria and I was studying at the same time. See, I love that. Like, so you had, did you effectively get to a crossroads or a fork where you were like, I'm going to go down that route or I'm going to choose football? I, I think for me, I'm coming from, a, from, a, from an academic family. It's non-negotiable. You've got to go to school in my family. To play football, you go to school. It's not the other way around. And again, from a personal perspective, I never thought I was good enough to to make it professionally. I, I never thought about professional football. It was just a, yeah, something I knew I was able to do, and I would go out and do it every now and again if I if, if I had the chance. So the education was my okay. This if I study and I get myself a degree, I can get myself a good job and have a good family. So that was the thinking. But all of a sudden, things started happening. I got scouted by this club. I was young, at a very, very tender age. Oh, I'm getting a mini. Are, you, are they sure? <laughs> All of a sudden, within the next couple of years, I'm playing the Premier League in Nigeria. I'm like, oh, I'm loving this. But again, the focus and the emphasis from my parents has always been, don't leave your education, keep going to school. So it, it wasn't as though I had everything figured out at the time. It was just, I was a child of circumstance, so to speak. But the success that came with football, was it something that you carried on? Did you keep educating yourself? All through these years, or was it? Did you focus solely on football, and then once you, when once the, the career? Oh well, once that happened, I mean, as soon as that happened, I got the first degree. Then all of a sudden, I moved to, to I, moved, I moved abroad. I became a professional football player. Oh, I'm gonna mean, I'm loving this. I can get the best of both worlds. So it was a case of then, what's the next thing? I wanted to do, to, to do my master's degree because yes, football is gonna finish one day. 35, 36, your knees are gonna start shaking. You need something else to sort of back it up. So I said, well. Uh, you know, I fancied a bit of a master's degree, yeah? so I started petrol, petroleum engineering initially. But unfortunately, I was halfway through. I needed to go to the rigs. I needed to go to the oil industry. To it's part of what what would be required to sort of qualify to get the course. So I had to pack it in. So I had to stop that. But I started another master's degree in project management. So I got a master's degree in project management. And on the back, very back end of my career, 
I had a, I've got another master's degree in sporting directorship. So how many degrees do you have? Um, just three. Just three? Just three, three. yeah. <coughs> this is unbelievable. I'm showing, I'm showing off now. I mean, like, well, no, because know, I've known you a while and I know that you're a smart guy, but it's like, I mean, people in football who've got a GCSE used to get called the professor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this guy's got three degrees. You know, what, talking about that, you know, when that opportunity came to go to Norway and obviously you're very family orientated, you've got good family around you that's, that's pushing the education, that must have been difficult for them for you to say, I'm going to go and pursue this, this, this chance to be a professional. It was very, it was a very, very difficult decision for a, for a young man. But um, again, I I was fortunate enough not to have come when I was 16, 17. I was 22, 23 by the time I left the shores of Nigeria, only because I wanted to finish my chemical engineering degree. I wasn't ready to go anywhere until that was done because that was, I owed that to my parents. Then I then knew, well, after that, I can then move on and go and do whatever I wanted to do for myself. So coming as a 22, 23 year old young man at the time, I grew up a little bit, but again, the, the, the culture shock is unbelievable. Massive difference. But again, I'm here for a business, I'm here to do... I think with it, coming from Africa, we every, coming to Europe for, for an African player is a huge opportunity. And we sort of embrace it very much unlike what we have here. And, and I, please take this in the right way. I don't blame any young kid here. Your environment, a lot of the times, if not every time, influences what you become and what you are as a person. I, I have the opportunity, like in a lot of African players and foreign players, to have the best of both worlds. I know what it's like back home, and I know, hang on a minute, my, my kids in my academy would die to play on, play on this pitch. They will sleep here if you, if you give them the opportunity, because this is luxury where I'm from. Mm. So players coming in and sometimes complaining, oh, well, the pitch is not grey. I'm looking at, hang on a minute, where I'm from, that's Wembley. Yeah. So it gives you that sense of, I've got to make the most of this opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and you sort of thrive, you want to do everything, you want to run through the brick wall as a result. Do you think that um, we don't acknowledge that enough in British football and British culture? Because you mentioned you know, that it is second nature that we see young players from Africa, from all around the world, who move abroad and it's seen it done. And it's only recently that you look at like Jaden Sancho and a few others, Reese Nelson, that have gone abroad as young English players to go and play. Like I, when you were talking then, I was just thinking about Ruben Neves and everyone talks about Ruben Neves and how he is as a player and he's a clear ability and everything. Nobody talks about the fact that he was what, 20, 21 years old, oh, yes. leaving his country with a young wife. He had a baby just as soon as he arrived. So he's away from all that... You know, the, the society, family structure that he had and making his way in the world and he's expected to go and produce on the highest level. Do we not talk about that enough? I don't think talking about it will be the, the, the big thing. I think England is struggling from the, the lucrativity that comes from the, from the Premier League. When something is too good sometimes, to, to every action there's equal and opposite reaction. Sorry, that's physics <laughs> for you. So when something is so good, there's always going to be a shortfall somewhere. Yeah. And I, th I think because these guys have, have this environment, you can talk about it all you want. They've not experienced it. It's just like sending, it, sending a player on loan. Oh, you're in the Premier League and you're sending them to, to, to for example, Telford. And well, you have to wash your own kit, you have to do this, you have to do that. It's a different environment. You must have been talking about all those things until it actually happens. They don't really get the, they don't really grasp it. 
And that's where I'm coming from with the Africa. I've, I've I lived in Africa and I know what it's like to live in Europe. What you're saying about your attitude. So what I'm, what I think what Mike is saying is like, so see academy academy players coming through, they get everything done, Absolutely. everything done for them. Then all of a sudden they go to the reality of life, the reality of football. Like you said, even if it is a Telford, you have to wash your own kit. Oh, yes. You have to come in and do this, yeah. do that for yourself. So are are we getting it wrong a little bit? Because oh, I remember when I came through. You're, you're, I was in the boot room for a for a season cleaning the the, the pros and reserve team boots yeah. because it, it it gets you it shows you the responsibilities you you've got that you've got you've got to wash your own kit you've got to put out the 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 the, the, the markers yeah. set up yeah. the set up the, the sessions for the coaches yeah. as a young player you had to go down and be the the runners for the coaches learning their coaching badges because that that was part and parcel of it yeah. whereas now you don't. It's like I remember. I remember at the, one of the academy when I was when I was down at Colchester, and they never did anything. Hmm. And then I had to. I, I took one of the strikers and says, "Look, right, you can you can do my boots for me." Yeah. And he got a he got a reward if I scored a goal. Yeah. And it was one of them just to ground him to actually say, "Right, he has a responsibility. My boots need to be clean. Yeah. They need to be dry all the time." It's one of those things. Oh, you're laughing, yeah, Mikey, no, but no, it is. No. But now, but I, I get told now that there's actually people that go into academies to make sure that they're not doing any of Anything, these jobs because yeah, it's degrading for them. Whereas then these players go out yeah. and they learn what football's all about. That there's pros at 35, 30, 36 years old come to the end of the career that have done that all their life, yeah. and they don't understand yeah. it. And they do, they need to be grounded, they need to know, but you've came with attitude, this is this is luxury. Yeah. This is this is I need to make the most of this Absolutely. opportunity. But everyone should be like that. Yeah. Everyone should go not not be comfortable earning whatever they're earning at a twenty three academy, playing under twenty three, thinking, Well I'm I'm earning what if you look at Premier League Club, twenty thousand a week, I've got my car, I've got my I've got my million yeah. pound house, whatever it is. It's not about that. It's about going and being better as an individual, as a person and as a footballer. I think I, th I think the love of the game is, is waned a little bit in football. I think people just go into football these days with, with very, very small ability, with small talent, with, but for the wrong reason. Uh, well, if I can play football and just buy that next house, buy that car, yes, get the best of, of ladies, then, then I'm okay. Yeah. I, I don't really see passion for people that actually love football. Mm. Enough to say, well, if, even if I'm, I'm not earning a penny, well, do you know, it, it's fascinating you say that because we did an interview um, recently with Austin Samuels who signed a new contract in the Wolves Academy and myself and Yanni, who's over in the corner of the room, um, was working the camera and we kind of were talking to him afterwards and we were like, oh, you know, what are you going to do with all your new money and blah, 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 are you going to buy a car? And he's like, no, no, I've got a normal car. He's like, my mum makes me put it away. So I get my money and I put it away. It's sorted. Like, and I, I really like that. That's good. And I thought that was a, a real good example of someone who was kind of, you know, embracing, enjoying being a footballer, knows what he wants to achieve, knows he wants to, as a local boy, wants to play for Wolves in the Premier League and score. But he's thinking about other stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. That is the way to go. I mean, how many of those would, would you see, though? In, in academy football these days, where you have under-18s, under-23s, having boot man, having the kit man wash their boots... Wearing all coloured boots, everything the pros have, they've got it. So, what's, what's, where's the motivation? What are they? What do they aspire to? Other than probably get more money, get greedy, or well, and, and again, I can't so much blame the clubs. I can't blame the environment because the competitive nature of the business makes it mandatory for the clubs to put in a decent environment. Otherwise, good players will not come. Yeah. Because, but again, to make it awkward for these players to make them learn, we need to make it a little bit harder. 
So is this a thing about having senior pros? Because you said at Colchester, you were a senior pro and you went to the youngster and went, you're going to wash my boots. And if I do well, you do well. And we work together and you taught them the game. And I say that on the basis that Shay has been in the academy and has a more prominent role now, but has come and helped out. Um, You know, Rob Edwards did a similar journey and has been through and done that. Kevin Foley is now in amongst it as well. Darius Vassell works amongst the academy. Senior pros, players who've been there and done it, who come and, and are around and are there as voices for the next generation. Yeah. How important is that? Well, very, very important. But again, are we sort of um, imposing ourselves enough? I think we come into the industry, football is all we've ever known, and we come into the industry still conforming rather than, well, how can we help the next generation? What, did, what helped us? What, what have we learned from? Myself inclusive, because I'm, it's very, very easy to sit, to sit down here and talk about so many positive things. Am I doing it enough myself? I, I don't think we're influencing the game enough and helping these young kids. Because sooner rather than later, when they sit to, sit to, to the hierarchy, this is, the, this is how we get the best out of these young, young guys. Yes, you might have to fight a few battles because, well, if we do that, well, we lose our, the best players don't want to come here then. It's a profit center. It's, it's, it's a place where we groom players so play for first team. I understand that. But for their own sake... It's got to be harder. Yeah, I think I think the game has changed a lot. You said there about about having more ex pros or even the experienced players or even professionals coming down that are in the first team coming down to players. They don't. They've, they've got responsibility. They've got to focus on being the best that they can to go out and perform at the best that they can. So they don't really have that time or it's not their responsibility to go down to the young lad and say, "Look, this is what you need to do." That's but it it does that relationship needs to be there that these players need to come in and be around that first team environment at 15, 16 year old and see what it's like to walk into the dressing room on a on a match day. That in itself will create that yeah. that desire, you know, to come in and say, "Sit down, have have them just listen to the manager, give the team talk before the team go out yeah. and, and and play on the pitch." That in itself, I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about yeah. something because some of them that that's that that is that's what whereas they come into a football, it's so distant. Yeah. There's no, there's yeah. no relationship there. Yeah. You might get a, oh, you know, oh, that's such and such, and it'll give you a wave yeah. or a whole. But there's that, 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 that relationship needs to be there. Yeah. Then that can be a drive. Then mo- being motivated by money, there's nothing wrong with that. But there needs to be a desire there, and that's what creates it. Knowing exactly what it takes, knowing exactly what that player's doing, going into the gym and seeing the the, 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 the pro in there doing this and having that relationship with them. Right, come on in, you do, you with me today. Something should be done every gym session. Bring the young boys in. They're doing their weight program as well. It's it's perfect. Eat together, not be on that table, that table. Everyone mix, yeah, talk. It should be a natural thing. Yeah. All the way club, the club, the foot from from whatever level as under twelves, they try and mirror the first team. Yeah. They play the same way. The formation, so it's in, installed in them. They should all be together as many times as possible. If it's eating, if it's socialising, whatever it may be. If it's going to the gym, working, it should all be done because that in itself creates. Yeah. that desire that passion to go that's what I want to be but watching Shea coming into the gym every day and he's, he's some little 15, 16 year old coming in thinking I've just done I've just done the session with the big man yeah. you know what I mean that's where he wants to be that's what that creates it's more of a mentorship thing and I don't think the, the football industry have got academies are tapping enough into it how many of uh, my academy players at the moment have, have relationship with first team players it, it, there should be that link yeah. I would love to see academy players come here when Wolves are playing Chelsea when they're playing Tottenham. What is the what is the room like? What is the manager saying? Is it getting angry? Is it, is it, is it straight into them? Because they need to learn. 
what are they, what's the mood like? The same guy I've been speaking to yesterday, a day before a game and it's all chill and chatty, all of a sudden he gets into the dressing room and he becomes a different animal. Because you, you've got to. This is, you, you're there to perform. These guys need to learn all these things. Because uh, part of this, and just to finish on this part of the podcast, because part of the thing that strikes me on this is that... Um, you know, I talked to Sylvan Ebanks Blake a lot, and I was talking to him about a year or so ago, 18 months ago, when he was kind of really trying to find himself a new club. And one of the things that he said to me was that when he was coming through, there were all, every club had a couple of players who were like over 30, the senior pros amongst the club. And you look around it now, and there is a massive trend, and especially slightly lower down in the football pyramid, where you get to 30 and people don't want you. Yeah. Because everyone wants youngsters and energy and pace and all these things. And is is are we losing something from a football club? And what helps young players to come through by when a player gets to thirty two and thinking he's past it, we don't want him in the team, we don't want him in the squad. No, I think I think there's a, I think there needs to be a balance. I think the the player now is very experienced, even at a young age. They've played a lot of football games, but their focus is on their own career their focus is on them and I think whereas an experienced player he wants the best for the team he'll give advice he can talk to the young player because he knows that that it'll benefit himself as well a player at 25, 26, 27 that's played 300 league games is still focusing on his own career so a young player coming through at 18 even if he's a special talent he'll think right yeah he'll leave him to his own and I think that's where I think what she's saying. We there needs to be a certain mentorship there. Yeah. I think the you see, that that relationship between the 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 the, the twenty six year old, twenty seven year old, and a seventeen year old, eighteen year old coming through it is so important. But there's still a responsibility. It's not the the twenty six year old's responsibility to give any advice because yeah. he's still having that chat with the manager. He's still trying to do what's best to to fight for his place every Saturday. Competition's great. I think the lower down the league you go. I think there is probably more experienced players, but still, it's it's dying. It's it's, it's there's, it's there's there's not so many. It is. It is. I, I think I understand what um, Ibans Blake was was alluding alluding to there. Yeah, I think the, the game, the, the business model of the football industry is making us lose that leadership quality because, like you rightly said, I'm not sure a lot of clubs these days want to take players that that over over thirty. But again, for me, it's a case of buy one get one free. You got the right one. Yeah. That's that's a good pro. That's not going to sort of mislead the young younger ones. Yeah. He, he, while he's still in the twilight of his career, he can help one or two young young lads. Well, we had um, Ali Robertson on doing this podcast, who was Wolves captain in the late eighties, and he'd had a great long career at West Brom. Came to Wolves, helped rejuvenate it, and he actually said to us, didn't he, Looms, that um, Graham Turner at the time gave him another year's contract. He wasn't going to play. But he said, I, can't, I don't want to lose you around the dressing room. I need you. I need you to be around there and to help come through. And he yeah. got another year yeah. of his career and he probably made like 10 appearances yeah. that season. But that's the difference, I guess, that you don't necessarily see as much anymore. Yeah, I came to Wall Street when I was 23, 24. The likes of Colin Cameron, the likes of Paul Haynes playing here. I learned a lot because I learned very, very quickly. If you don't kick them, they kick you first. Yeah. And they kick you and they look you in the <laughs> eye. Hey, it's, it's the game. It starts, it starts from, from Compton, and we take that attitude, we bring it here, because that's what's going to get you three points on a Saturday. Now, without those guys, I probably would have thought, well, it's another game of football, and before you know it, before you realise it, you will have had make one or two mistakes that will have probably let your exit from the club. But you learn very, very early, because you, are old, you had older pros, wise heads, who will kick you first, who knows, this is what gets the job done. 
No, I've got to agree. I've got to agree. I think uh, it's funny, you know. I, I was out a couple of a couple of weekends ago, and uh, I'm in I'm in a club, right? And there's Liverpool players there with Man City players, with Man United players all together. That wouldn't have happened ten years ago. You don't like that? It's, I, I just think it's. I don't. I don't mind it because I think the rivalry is not there anymore. You know, it's like me me sitting at Wolves and then it's like because they've all came through and I think it's been great for England because that unit is there. But there's rivalry there, you know, and I think uh, talking about it, I just think the game's changed. Yeah. I think I think players it is just a it's a game. It's a game. People they're good at they're good at football. They enjoy the game, the luxuries and all that that come with it. Yeah, it, like you say, the money that's in the Premier League, yeah. these young players are earning fifty to a hundred thousand a week. You know, they're just they're loving life. Yeah. There's not there's not rivalry that that desire that passion that's not that's not really in the game anymore. Does it really hurt when they lose a game? Yeah. They get in the car, they drive home, and they're they're out socialising together. I, I couldn't. I'm, I, I'm, all the clubs that I've been at, I'm thinking about the rivalries. If I'm at at, at Charlton and you're at, it's and it's and it's Palace or whatever it is, and I'm at, at Colchester going out with Southend and having a few, it just wouldn't happen. Because no. you know what, you don't like that. You don't no. like that player. No. You walk out there and you you want to win and you're going to do yeah. everything. If you got to hurt them, you got to hurt them. This yeah. is what it is. It doesn't. It doesn't happen. No, like, no but it doesn't. It's not any. The game has changed. The game does not finish on the field. It would take it outside of the pitch. As a matter of fact, back in the day, like I said. If fans saw you socialising with, with with an opposition, or, or I play for was actually I'm, I'm saying hello to Chris Bronze who plays for West Brom. What's that all about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, other than yeah, well, hello, respect, hello, how are you? Yeah, well, that's right. I'm I'm, go, I'm going my way. He's going his way. We're actually chilling and chatting, and you know, people are seeing fans are saying no, 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 no. Football's more than a game. Minute. It's a lifestyle. So you never had a career with Chris Bronze. No, <laughs> actually, it, it kicked me a few times. <laughs> it's fascinating, and it's something that I, I guess we will pick up on on future podcasts as well because I really like this. In, it's an interesting train of thought as to um, just, just not liking opposition players as well because you do see it a lot of times, like kind of players players swapping shirts at half time is one that yeah, gets to me. Like, yeah, don't start. Like, don't don't do that. Or if you've lost a game. Uh, you shouldn't be smiling with someone on the pitch, even if he's your best mate. Like, do it on the do it in the tunnel after the game. Like, not out in the centre circle. Gets me. Anyway, that's my personal pet peeve. Um, fascinating stuff, and there is loads more to come from Shale Finjana, and we will talk more about your specific role at the club and kind of how you came back to work at Wolves and actually for a long time kind of not have a, a proper job you just came back and it fascinates me too so there's loads to talk with Shay about your playing career as well um, don't go anywhere uh, by the way always follow our sponsors got to thank our sponsors uh, Wolverhampton Building Supplies at WV Build Supplies they've been doing loads of giveaways recently for match tickets and stuff so it's always worth giving them a follow um, because you could end up getting yourself down to Molyneux to watch a game so give them a follow and follow us at Wolves if you have anything you'd like us to talk about on this part of the podcast as ever you can email us oldgoldclub at wolves.co.uk the show is coming next Wolverhampton Builder Supplies is your one-stop shop for all building and DIY products. And now they're giving listeners of the Old Gold Club an extra 10% off of the already low prices. It doesn't matter if you're a professional builder or just looking to put up a shelf at home. 
Just tell them in store that you listen to the Old Gold Club and you'll get an even better price in store. So check them out online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk Then head to their yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or give them a call on 01902 500 140. Hello there, welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows, alongside me as ever is Chris Awellamo and our guest this week spent four years at Molyneux making nearly 150 appearances, scoring 18 goals. Welcome to the Old Gold Club, Shay George Olofinyana. What an introduction. Thank you very much for having me. A lot of people that we have on this programme, Shay, it's like their first visit back to Molyneux in a long while or perhaps since they first left and everything whereas obviously you still work for the club you're here a lot you're around the place all the time home away from home like i call wolves i mean good family club i serve uh, the first very first club i sort of joined when i came to england and it's been home ever since i mean i bought a place in southern Caulfield, not too far from here and I've, all of my journeys all my travels even in 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 england this is home i always stayed around here so why not what 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 what, what brought, brought you back to to wolves what well, it's um, one of the best clubs I've ever was fortunate to play for. Uh, it's um, very, very good family club, very, very good people with good values. Yeah. So why not? Why wouldn't you want to? Why wouldn't you want to work for such an organisation after your football career, especially if you want to stay in the football industry? Because you must have had lots of places though that you could have gone to after you stopped playing, and probably places that would have paid you to come in at the start of it, and yet you were like, no, I want to come and get involved, no matter what. Yeah, well. Remuneration of values, culture, you got to sort of pick which one um, tickles your fancy. Um, like I said, always a big family club, good people, always has produced good, good people. And um, that's why I'm not surprised a lot of people are still working for the, for the club today. Rob Edwards, Daraz Vassell has, has come back, he's a Villa legend, but now he's working at Wolves. It speaks volume. Yeah, and um, your role <coughs> is a little bit different now, isn't it? Because uh, people might have been aware that you were. Uh, doing stuff with the academy the 23s and being a coach but you see your future as a sporting director maybe one day so now your role is educating and looking after the players who are out on loan yeah i tried coaching a little bit i mean i've got my a lessons doing my pro badge now and i thought i haven't done it for for one or two years uh i'm not sure i'm gonna be very very good at this (laughs) No, I'm, still, I'm only joking. But yeah, I see, myself, I see myself in the admin building. I've always loved them. Um, uh, the admin, admin side of the of, of, of football. I haven't played for football myself. I haven't been very, very fortunate to play football. Uh, it's one of them. Well, if I can be in a position whereby I can control things a little bit, and the, the, the coaching industry is getting oversaturated, in my opinion. And if, I, if I've been fortunate to have had a bit of education behind me and I'm passionate about the admin industry. With regards football, why not? Have why you got not? have you got ideas about the the administration side about how to improve it? Obviously, you're looking after players and things, and they do have to. We we just come in some days. We don't know what goes on above our heads. We get the sessions laid out. We play our football, and then we switch off. We don't have any others. But you've been very different throughout your career. You've always thought about the the makings of things and what goes on behind the scenes. Is that why 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 have you came with that kind of mindset? Uh, well, it looks very. It looks like that from from the outside, but again, it's still it's still the same thing. Even up until now, the, the biggest thing we, we 
we have as football players challenge is the fact that we are always waiting to get told things because all through our careers is always uh, you, you go to report for training for nine o'clock you got to have your breakfast at nine thirty. you get told a lot of things and on, on the back of my career i struggle with that i was always waiting for people to sort of tell me what to do yes i had a little bit of knowledge of what i wanted to do and how i was going to do it but coming to the other side it was a different terrain for me and I, oh, how are things done here I had to learn first to be very, very comfortable, but now I'm getting to a point where I can then begin to add my own twist to it. It's all about relationships, and this is something you've got to build. Obviously, there's players uh, on loan all over Europe. Uh, you have to build up relationship with their managers. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, so we, we, with, the, with the loan players, I think it's the education you give them to start with, the, the, the understanding that comes from... Um, you're going out on loan, you're going into a different environment. I have this thing I came up with, I got from somewhere, uh, operation fitting and then stand out. Fitting to the environment you're going into, but again, stand out for the, with the Wolves philosophy and the, the Wolves culture because the environment you're going, going to go, you're going to be going to is going to be ever so different. But again, what you're going to learn on loan is, is the main thing for me. Playing, yes, is very, very important, but sometimes not playing is even very, very good because then you, from a position of, well, I think I'm ready, but mm, maybe I'm not quite ready. Idea. Maybe I need to add one or two things to it, and it's that education, that relationship between myself, the, the player himself, and and the manager and, and the staff over there to then see how we can help the player get to the next level because it's a, it's a journey. Yeah, I love that, and I, I love the fact. Yeah, you know, I've I've heard stories and spoken to people around that. You know, you provide these kind of big briefings for other people around the club and different people in different departments and other people in the academy to say how our players are coming along and not all of them are going to make it are they certainly not at Wolves anyway but Scott Sellers has always said to me if they don't make it at Wolves we want to try and make sure they can make it somewhere else yeah absolutely um, before I got this job what I, what I will do apart from coaching the boys with, with Scott Sellers every, every day is try and organise educational seminars for them of course a lot of the time they don't see the benefit that comes from it is another session is another education and I was trying to see how the PFA can then come and help us uh, give this guy something else and uh, if not for this role I've occupied this season uh, the, the next stage will have for me will have been to sort of engage them because they listened to the, all these PFA seminars and uh, after a week they've forgotten all about it but I was the next thing I would have loved to do which if I would still love to do it, is then begin to sort of challenge them by giving them assignments, giving them projects to go and talk about it. For example, transfer window is on right now. I can pick five, six players and then say, go and tell me what's, what's the biggest transfer. So all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're helping their processing, you're helping their, 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 their numeracy. Things they would naturally not think about, you're helping them to think about it because football players have this ability to just play football and just switch off and just think about the cars, think about, but there's life after football, there's life during football. And you've got to be interested in all these things and you've got to know all these things. There's a lot of things that come down. See, he's good at this though, isn't he? Because as we've been talking about on the podcast, by the way, which you can download the extended podcast from all the usual places, Shay actually has three degrees. <laughs> yes. Three! This is a very smart man Fantastic. and clearly a man who thinks about things in a slightly different way, maybe. No, I think it's, uh, I think with the mindset, his upbringing, where, where he's came from, he's he's came and he's, like you say, he's, he's realising that it's a fantastic opportunity and, 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 and took it. Uh, but giving something back, uh, I feel that, that players, there is more awareness now about what comes after football. I think young players now, the advisors are getting better because there has been so many big mistakes made, but still it's not enough. I think there's still more needs to be done in like seminars, like educating about even if it's transfers, the like the knowledge of the game, being good at the game, 
isn't enough anymore. You need to know why, why, why is why is the, the manager going with that formation? Why is he why is he picking that that why is he going with that 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 uh, that that player in that position? Why is he bringing in this player? Where does he need to strengthen? These th- th- there is there is a great knowledge uh, around, but the players need to know what's be- what goes on behind the scenes as well. I remember myself when I played. It was when I went into the coaching side of things. It was only because I got injured and it was a bad injury. But then I went and, and I'd had a meet. I'd go and meet Mick McCarthy a couple of times a week, and I talked him about his, his team selection I'd say oh this is my thoughts and it used to get quite heated sometimes but he, he, he says I know where you're coming from because I remember I think we are playing Arsenal and he set us up so defensively I says what if you concede in the first 10 minutes because you've went defensive you've went bumble so let's just let's stay in the match till we get to an hour in and then then we can go for it I says what if you what if you concede I mean, I think I think we we conceded an own goal after eleven minutes. So that 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 got completely that full week is out the window. Blame me for that one. But he did not. (laughs) But then he comes back. He says, "Will you stay in the match?" It still it stays the exact same. You stay in the match. You don't concede again. And then that thing. And it's just little things that he 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 just kind of opened my eyes. And then going into the coaching world, you have an understanding. You have a lot more respect of what the coaches put on, how the numbers work, the session plans, what they have to do to make the player better individually and as a collective come as a unit. There's so much more. But these young players. They are. I, I think there is a lot more awareness about it now. They know what goes into it. But again, it's we can do a lot more to to improve that. Because you talk about kind of learning from managers. For Shay, you had three managers in yeah. your four years at the football club, and three very different managers as well. I imagine in Dave Jones, Glenn Hoddle, and then Mick. Yeah, well, very very different manager for different reasons. Dave Jones is the most laid back manager you'll ever work with. Um, he, to to play under Dave Jones, you need to be self motivated because naturally he's a very very laid back human being. He will let you do your own thing your own way as long as you produce on a Saturday. And a few times it didn't work because sometimes players, in fact, not sometimes, a lot of the time players needs yeah. come on, roll your sleeves and get on with it. Type of manager. Which I got, I got from Mick. So for for different reasons, they are, they are all very, very good managers. The best, the best of the lot for me was Glenn Hoddle. Glenn Hoddle, I, I said, uh, yeah, I can say this anywhere. I don't think his man management is, is very, very good, but tactically, it was unbelievable, unbelievable. He's the only ever manager I've I ever worked with that you didn't need to have a look at the DVD, the, the previous game, because I, I could have scored the brace in the, in the game. I, I, could, I could be on the bench in this game because he wanted to play a formation that I, I wasn't suited to, to, to play. It was just unbelievable. That said, he had the players at the time to do it. We, the, the players at the time there were unbelievable, by the way. We had some very, very good players. And I thought that season we underachieved. Well, that because uh, I was going to say, it's interesting you say that because that time period is probably not that well liked by supporters at the time because you, you maybe it's because you didn't achieve maybe what you should have achieved the, the world doesn't like change when you're doing something that is different to what everybody is doing you better be right you better be getting results if you are, if you are not then people reject it straight away that was what happened to them did the players buy into it though absolutely yes it was difficult initially because I don't understand how I've played and the normal player mentality of well I've scored a goal last game and I'm on the bench in the next game well, what are you doing no come on I'm, I'm, I've, I've, I've got this but oh, you're actually you're on the bench because I'm playing playing the diamond. We were played four three three in the last game, but with the team we're going to play against with, da, 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 and we go into all the nitty gritty of the detail of why yeah. you shouldn't be playing. But players didn't hear that. We just oh, come on, he doesn't like me. Well, what's he doing? I mean, 
Then you play the next game. You play the next one, and you, and you play you in different positions. I could be playing in the, in the pivot of the of the diamond today. I could be playing uh, on the right wing the next day. So you needed adaptable players, and it was brilliant. So so good at it. See, I think I think the players. I think they, of course they should be disappointed if they're not going to be playing. Uh, would you say that Glenn was ahead of his time then? Because, like I've obviously I went out and played in Germany, and no matter what the result was the team more changed because different players had different attributes that were going to go against the opposition. Uh, if, if it was it was me and Eric Meyer, it was the, the strikers, similar kind of players, but the, the players' uh, positions would change all the time because that player's better suited to play against this. No matter if they won the first, if, yeah. we, if we won 3-0, it, like you say, it's it, very, very likely the, the team was going to change again. Yeah. That's modern thinking, that's using the squad. That's You have 25 players, 30 players, you want to use them all the best you can because yeah. it's a squad game now. Absolutely, I think you're right. I think Glenn was way ahead of his time when 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 we had him all those years. But the first thing he did when he came was made the pitch big. It was we had a very very small Molineux to play with them. Well, we just got relegated in the, in the championship, so we're going to keep everything tight. And yep. no, 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 I want it big. I want to, I've got very very good players. I want to play expansive football. And straight away, the the side I think it, it, it got wrong was the man management side yeah, because it will have been. Sure. Players, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to try and achieve, and this is how we're going to do it. Some, some of you are going to get disappointed because I'm not going to pick you. It's not because you're not good enough, and you know the managerial side of it yeah. was where you got wrong. But tactically, unbelievable. But the thing is, though, you, I mean, uh, the second season, obviously, you were injury injured for quite a part of that season, weren't you? But and that was Glenn's best season. But you kind of you finished seventh, but you only scored fifty goals, and it's that thing I think of the reason why maybe it's not as as well thought of by supporters in that, you know, I, I get, I take on board the point you're making about, you know, the, the tactical side of it, but from people watching it, the results weren't quite there, I guess. And certainly the entertainment factor maybe wasn't always there. Is that fair? Like, well, fair to say, but again, like I said, people respond very, very differently to change. The fans weren't used to it. The players weren't used to it. It probably, if you had probably stayed another season or two longer, Probably the players will have bought into it. He will have probably brought players ether can then adapt to the system because the, I remember the very first one of his first signings was Darren Anderson. We were playing some football, blah blah blah. He said, well, I'm not sure. I think I need a player. I think I did somebody to sort of connect the dots. And we were laughing. Yeah, we we had Incy, we had Colin Cameron. We, come on, we had uh, Mark Kennedy. We go, come on, we got South Cover. He brought in Darren Anderson, and oh my God, what a player! What a player. Delivery, set pieces, unbelievable. So he knew what he wanted to do. But again, communicating this to the world sometimes becomes very, very difficult, especially if results are not going your way initially. But I think at the time, he needed time to sort of bring everything together and make it happen. See, that, I think that's something in football that, that you don't get is time. You know, I think he knows that he's, he's, he's kind of evolving the team maybe a little bit ahead of his time, but he needs to know that he has to do it in small stages because no one likes change. You know, but if he did get the, the, the three years extra, it, it would have probably worked because he had the experience, he had the knowledge. He probably has, probably in his coaching staff, someone that has that man management that can be the in-between because he knows that that's one of his weaknesses. Yeah. And I just think that, that you don't get that in football anymore. Well, one of the things that I, I guess stands out from your time at the club is that you were kind of caught in between eras, I guess. That, you, you know, you still, I mean, your first couple of years, you mentioned Paul Ince and Colin Cameron was, I guess, a big midfield partner of yours yeah, in that first time. But... That was the back end of the Premier League team. And then the Mick team kind of started to grow. Yeah. 
and you left just before it. Uh, well, before 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 we before we go into to the to the back back era, back era sorry. Uh, I think part of Glenn's problem was the fact that he came as this, as Glenn Hoddle. Like we all know him to be, he inherited a very, very good squad of players. We just got relegated, and think people are thinking, well, we had, a, we've got a lot of these players that got us, that played in the Premier League, that that got relegated. So we should be, we should be going up straight away. So that combination, people were looking at it and thinking, well, this is the perfect combination, and it doesn't always work a lot in football, like you and I know. It's interesting, but say, on the thing of you, know, you in that middle period, you had so Glenn goes, Mick comes in. You've gone from being you and Colin Cameron, mainly, to you and Carl Henry. And all of a sudden, you start scoring goals. Thank you. Miracle, <laughs> miracles do happen, I promise you. <laughs> but it's important about the, having that balance. Like, Carl, uh, you know that he's a very technical player, a very good player, got a great engine. But that gives you the freedom to go forward to as go well because you know that yeah. he'll get on the ball and you can go and, and link up with yeah, the, the forward okay. and that, that, that obviously comes into play as well it's all about that balance isn't it absolutely I mean, the, the, the one person the one player I felt sorry, felt sorry for at the time in fact two of them is Colin Cameron and Mark Kennedy because before my time they had to play with Alex Ray he was a different character to myself he was a, he was a tough guy in the dressing room he would break things down and make them got a big big heart I had to sort of learn, I had to watch a lot of his DVDs because they're saying to me, actually, actually, you're coming to replace this guy and this is what we're going to be missing. Can you do this? So I had to sort of understudy him and, okay, I can do this. Again, when Glenn came, I had to play in the, in the defensive position, position uh, breaking things up and making others play. Calary came, then it became a different role for me as well. Yeah. A lot of the time I played for Mick as a force number 10, number, number 9 at times, which gave me the opportunity to go forward. So it's about being adaptable, it's about knowing the kind of players around you, and it's about the information you get from the manager as well. So which did you prefer? Because it sounds like you were a different type of player and then got asked to be more defensive when you first came. Uh, well, when I was younger, going back all those years playing, playing back home, I've, I've always played. I've always played offensive midfield. I've, I, I love throwing goals. I love I love the free roll because I had a bit of a, a bit of ability better other than my my colleagues. So I I didn't want that restriction, but I I started playing defensive midfield for the national team because when I got scouted to the national team, I had JJ Okocha, I had Kano, I had all these. Tester players who are naturally offensive midfield player, so the coach had to convert me to a, to a defensive midfield player. But I came into the con- this country with everybody thinking, oh, actually, it's a defensive midfield player. But I've always played offensive midfield. I've got I've got to ask you something then because we, we put the three managers to you. and You said Glenn Hoddle, but then you said because of the tactical yeah. side of it, that's because how you are. You like to break things down the the whole kind of the background, the administration side. Mick McCarthy got the best out of you. You finished top goal scorer, man management. Man management. It's the biggest part of the game. I don't care how tactically yeah, you sound say, you are. You say Glenn Hoddle. You say Glenn Hoddle for you is... So what? I, said, I said they are all very good managers for different reasons. Yeah. Now, Glenn Hoddle for me is, is the pick of the bunch. Because, because yes, the, the, tact- it, the tactical... Was, because I'm, I'm very, very analytical, as you can imagine. I know, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I like to break everything down. I have to analyse. I have to know why things are happening. Yeah. Why is he playing that formation? What is, it, what is he trying to get out of it? Yeah. I try to sort of know why. I don't just do things off the cuff. I need to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. So for that reason, yeah, I pick him. I like Mick McCarthy because what you see is what you get. No crap with with four four two, and these are your roles and responsibility. Go and give me your all. Let me take charge of the result. I, I love people like that. When you were crap on Saturday, you'd be the first to tell you, actually, son, you're rubbish, and it would be the first person to say good morning on Monday morning. I love people like that. Straight down to earth. 
And you clearly responded to it, as Loom says. You ended that season as top scorer. Obviously, that season ended in the heartbreak of the playoff defeat to West Brom. And we spoke a lot about uh, with this with Matt Murray when he came on the programme, because obviously he gets injured on the eve of that. And yeah. you know, I think there will always be a part of him that will feel that if he was fit, maybe, you know, taking nothing away from Wayne, but he might have made a difference. What's your view on how that panned out in the end because you score in the first leg of that playoff, yeah I you? did I did it was um, well going back to that feeling that I can remember that, that, that feeling very very well we, 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 we thought we had everything covered we, the preparation was second to none the whole place was buzzing because you can imagine playing West Brom in, in one of the biggest games of, of the world's history you could feel it as a player. You felt it every day you went to training. The training ground was as though we were playing the game at Molyneux already. Yeah, there were that many people. Confident though. Yeah, very. Of course, we've had a very, very good season. People didn't give us too much credit to start with. And all of a sudden, this is us finding ourselves in the players' position and we're playing against West Brom. The confidence was very, very high with but, but again, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be. Felt sorry for, for Matt Murray, by the way, because... Um, the amount of things he's sort of gone through in his career, he's, yeah, yeah I, well, I've got a lot of time for Matt Murray. It's not, it's not about him today. I'm, let, let me not talk about it. But I felt very, very sorry for him on the day. Did he mention the game he played against Norwich, though? Because I thought that was his best Wolves game. I don't yeah. know if he mentioned it. He probably mentioned it. was Norwich against Matt Murray on the day. Oh, it was yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I, I have to say that. But because when you look at it in the context of it, as I say to come so close as you did that year, and it was a bit of a surprise to a lot of people. Um, what then happened the next year? Why didn't it follow on in the way that many people might have exper- expected it to? Anti anti climax. Um, the club not doing its part to sort of keep us hungry and motivated. Maybe new signings didn't come in at, at, at the right time. It is me making excuses now. But we've got, yeah, do you think, we've got our part to play as, as players as well. Do you think it's the club's, club's responsibility to, to keep the player hungry? You know, you've had a little taste of the, the semi-finals. That's down to that group of players because there is some leaders. There's some great leaders in that dressing room that I, I walked into the season after that. You know, so it's, it's down to the players to, 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 to drive. I do, I do agree with that. But sometimes what you call preparation is different from what I call preparation. And oh, again, that, that's where the manager comes in. To then think my preparation is just, even though I think it's 90, it might be 60. Then he then needs to drive. The club then needs to sort of push and say, you know what, you think you're doing enough? No, you're not. Yeah. Because we, 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 we thought we were hungrier. We thought we, ah, we've tasted this now. Can we, can we go a little bit further? Can we go a little bit higher? But that preparation came with a bit of false sense of worth. Yeah, well, we, we did it last season, so we can then stroll through the pack and then do it. But you need the manager to then say, come on, this has got to be better. Yeah. And I don't think we had that. Because it, it, the, the abundant memory for me of that season is the final day at home to Plymouth. Because you scored, didn't you? One nil win, but you end up missing out by one goal. Yeah. And it, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, you probably need two, whatever it was. But it's that feeling of kind of, so close, so close. Uh, and, and just and maybe it was the goals that was needed and hence why the big man to my right came in but just that feeling of kind of being there but not quite but, 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 but at the time even if I say so that, that was worse at the time we were the nearly team we, we did everything but it was oh yeah maybe oh, if we're just gone that extra oh if we had just yeah. that was the time and I thought that was why the change came and trying to sort of rectify and that was why 2009 it got done. Um, 
do you feel is there a part of you that ever feels like you missed out on that yeah that's my one regret for Wolves I I came to Wolves thinking yeah with the, with the caliber of players there just got relegated they're not selling a lot of players we're going to keep everybody together we're going to get up the next, the following season that never happened and I waited and I waited I was I was playing for Nigeria at the time so it was very very important where I played of course so I was under pressure you have all these guys playing for PSG playing for Arsenal playing for and they look at the record and they're um, we're not so sure yeah Wolves is a big club in England but as big as they are in the championship and that was that played on my mind a lot that's why I kept, st- st- I stayed and I kept waiting and I kept waiting. Unfortunately for me, the, the year I left, the following year, the, the, the promotion came. Uh, otherwise, I would have never left. Obviously, when Wolves came in for you, you've said they're okay. It's important you're playing for your country. It is important where you go out and play. You know that Wolves is a big club. Did you know that or did you have to put a little bit of, of say, uh, homework into the, the history of the club and the players that they've got there? Or was that just something that you knew for the size of the yeah, club? It's, it's history. Me being me, I do it up. I know you Digging do. myself. Yeah, yeah, Wolves are interested. Okay. Was what, it hard decision? All hard decision. Very, 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 very hard. But again, I got convinced by the caliber of players that were here. Yeah. Isaac Okoronko was here, who was, was Nigeria at the time, who, was, who played in the Premier League with me at the time. Sorry, who played in, for Nigeria with me at the time. Mm. So he told me a lot about the club prior to my coming. Because you end up obviously going to Stoke, who um, I presume, Tony Pierce, because Stoke had just got promoted yeah. that year, hadn't they? So I guess they must have seen you and thought, this guy's, you know, because they wanted the best players around in the championship that they'd come up against. When you made that move, how hard was that? Because you've said this place was your home away from home. You will always have a special place for Wolves in your heart. I, th- I think I made it clear when I left why I was leaving. I wasn't leaving because it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about not feeling comfortable. It's, it's about ambition. I wanted to play in the Premier League. I think I had the ability at the time to play in the Premier League. And I waited and waited and waited for four years. It never happened. I had to move on because, I mean, this is a very, very short career. You've got to be selfish sometimes. And that was the only reason why I left. Regret? Yes. It's purely because the club, the club got promoted that season I left. Yeah. If it hadn't happened, I, w- I wouldn't have had any regret, regret whatsoever because I did what I thought was right at the time. But looking back now, the goal, well, if I'd been there, maybe it wouldn't have happened, but you never know. Because you said to us in the, the the podcast again that people can can listen to the extended podcast that kind of your regret in your career as a whole is that you didn't play enough in the Premier League. Yeah. That you could have done more. In I could have done more, I thought. I could have done more, yeah. I, I learned a lot of things at the back end of my career that if, if I'd got hold of somebody to say, son, if you do this, 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 I, I, best, I played my best football the last three years of my career only because I was able to put some very, very simple things in place. And uh, wow, the game could be this simple. All this while I've been using my muscle, blocking people, and just go up on your shoulder a little bit, or play around the corner, get it so. You know, nobody teaches you all these things. You, 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 You learn them, but again, sometimes you learn them too late. It's fascinating. Um, we're going to finish off our Facebook show with the rundown. So this is the bit that I know that he's not been looking forward to. Um, we start off, as ever, with who was the best player oh that you played with at Wolves? Without a shadow of a doubt, Sorky Hyun. Oh, OK. Why him? Unbelievable talent. Natural. He just did things without... It goes past people without knowing him. Quality of cross, assists, goal scoring, Unbelievable. Brilliant. Simply unbelievable. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, who was the worst trainer at Wolves? That's, this is going to be very, very difficult. Because <laughs> be as harsh as that you group, like. you have to train. <laughs> if Pauline's will let you have it. He just, he's just... 
There must have uh, been someone. There would be somebody. Are you, are you putting yourself minute. in there? Give me a minute. No, what were you like? <laughs> Colin, yeah, Ca- Colin Cameron will let me. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Cameron will let me. It might, it might, it might have been a young one. I tell you what, Dean Storage. Dean Storage? Dean, the very Dean. Strikers. Yes, Strikers, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Lazy. Doing the, doing the minimum, scoring the odd goal and getting the man of the match. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the biggest moaner? Oh, did you need to ask? It's always going to be between Colin Cameron and Pauline's, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you Pauline's. <laughs> Everything was your fault. It was East Nevada's fault. Into you. <laughs> oh, my God. Because uh, I thought you were going to say Carl Henry as well. Though. Well, he, he learned from the best, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, who was your best friend at Wolves? Sulky Hill. Okay. Sulky Hill. I like that. He had the right, right temperament. I love his person. I love his family. Very down to her, he knew what he wanted. What he wanted, maybe because we were we were both um, um, foreigners in the country, and we sort of sort of clicked the, the moment he came into the yeah. club. Yeah. yeah. Who had the best and who had the worst dress sense? Ooh. Oh, a <laughs> Sean Newton, the worst. Even though he thought he's got it all covered, every time he comes into the dressing room with this, <laughs> Sean Newton, the worst. The best for me was Julian Lesko. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, he's got to be a class about him, that man. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it? Yeah. Just kind of smart every yeah, day? Yeah, smart. Yeah, he thought about it very much like the rest of us. <laughs> you, could, you could tell. He makes effort. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. Who was the funniest player that you played with? George and Da. George and Da. George and Da has got a smile on his face every day. Every day. Funniest little man. He would be the one to sort of tuck things away and he would be the one to sort of hide your flip-flop somewhere and you're looking for it. Uh, it's just... <laughs> um, I was going to ask you, we always ask in this, the best manager you worked for. We've covered it a bit in the podcast and I don't think you're actually going to give us a definitive <clears throat> answer because there's... I'm assisting with Glenn Hoddle. Glenn Hoddle you're going to yeah. go with. Okay, fair enough. He's going with Glenn Hoddle. That's fair enough. No, fair enough. Uh, what was the best goal that you scored? I'll tell you what. I'll give you this one. I, I, it was the scrappiest goal ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ron Ricketts has got the ball on the far side to the left. He's come inside with, on his right foot. He's whipped this ball in. I've, I think I, I ran ahead of the ball. Then I realised the ball was behind me. I've taken a great touch with my left foot to sort of bring the ball back. And I've had a shot that was going well wide only for this Coventry player to put it in his net for, for an own goal. And I was celebrating as though the ball was top corner. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I remember that goal, like, just, just there. I was just celebrating. Yeah, come on. I, put it. I tell you, what, I was arguing with the ball was goal bound until I saw it on, in the camera after the game. It was well wide. But it, it, Did you get it? Of course. Of course. To claim it. That, shade, that one don't count. No, it does count, actually. It's my goal. <laughs> they all count. Oh, they all count. They all count. I don't care how you do it, just get it done. <laughs> You're talking to him, he's playing goals, he's not even... Centre forwards. Centre forwards. The Old Goal Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. Get 10% off in store when you quote Old Goal Club. So that was the show... On with the podcast. Um, I love that, you know, just when people sometimes talk about like the best goals that they scored and stuff, like I find it interesting the different reasons why people like certain goals. Because Don Goodman, when we asked him this question, and he's a guy who scored a lot of goals in his yeah. career, but he was kind of like, he actually brought up a goal that he didn't even score, but he just <laughs> said it was such a good team move that he was involved in yeah. that ran down. I love that. Assist. He made an assist in that one, wasn't it? Yeah. 
it's that thing about you know so like for you it's that one that it looked like a good goal but it was it was an own goal I, I think it's, it's more the one that gets the banter the most because yeah. the ones you're seeing, yeah, the one you put in the top corner, people talk about it, and that's the end of it. But the ones that, the scrappy ones, like the one I just talked about, we, I remember we argued about it for ages. On the pitch, we were still playing. And, no, no, it's my goal. No, 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 Shea is well, well, well wide. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, well, I've gone straight in the top corner. And you remember those conversations, you remember the banter, and that, that sort of makes it stick in yeah, your, your head. Agree. I think uh, if for my, my favourite goal for Wolves, I've, I've probably, I've said three. You know, when I was captain, my first goal against Blackpool, that's because I was captain for Wolves for the first time. Then the first goal of my hat trick, or little bicycle kick, where I, I wasn't even going to be playing. I hadn't trained until the day before, and I, I pulled out of training the day before because I'd uh, had the, a doctor problem. And then uh, Sheffield United, where I've outpaced, pace came from somewhere, and I've outpaced <laughs> probably two of the, the, the quickest defenders in, in the league at the time. You know what I mean? I should have went down for a penalty, but I took it around Paddy Kenny and slid it in. And it was just the banter that we had at the corner flag uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Should I have? Should I? Should, 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 should I have gone down? Went down for the penalty? Yeah, it was just little things. Ah, it just they, they stand out for all different reasons. Um, what was the best game you were involved in? West <laughs> I was thinking West Brom. West Brom game. Which one? Yeah, the atmosphere, the semi final one you mentioned. Even though you lost the game, yeah. You, you said was, there about how confident yeah. you were. The build, the atmosphere. Yeah. Now you know. West Brom, the players thought the exact same. You know, when you walk in, I've, I've walked out at the Millennium Stadium and you're confident, you're thinking, this is ours. You know, this is, I've walked out at the Scottish Cup fire and you think, yeah, this is this is ours. Both teams come out, then kick off. When did you realise, yeah, this is, we're in a game here. You know, you're under yeah. the cosh sometimes. Wow. And you're, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I've always felt very, very confident training. I always get nervous just before you go out for every game. And, that hour before the kickoff gets gets me. Yeah, I'm, that, from that moment onwards, I can't get to wait to, to get the game started. Once the whistle gets blown, that's me done. I'm in my comfort zone then. Right. But an hour before, just an hour before, nerves start kicking in. You start doubting yourself a little bit. What kind of day is it gonna be today? What kind of day is it gonna be today? You see fans shouting. You out for warm up. I hope I do well today. But once the whistle goes, that's me done. A lot of players talk about visualisation now, they, they, they see the match, they see moments happening, like you say, looking behind your touch, yeah. getting into the box, you know, for myself, you know, I'm, I'm there to score goals, so I visualise myself in certain positions, the ball coming in, good contact, hitting the back of the net, and then you have your, you have your finishing, what about yourself, because you weren't just, the, you scored goals, but you had to break up play as well, you had yeah. to defend, did you visualise? Uh, look at well, I, I think we do things very, very differently. But um, I reflected too much on the negative things. Right. I will, I will, I will play a game in my head before you, before it ever happened. Yeah. So the night before, the out, the morning before the game, I'm playing the game. I'm playing the game. I'm seeing my opposition. I'm seeing what I'm doing against them. Then after the game, which is the, the bad thing, I wish I had somebody that sort of helped me with that process psychologically. I must have played well. I must have scored a hat trick. I must have. We must have. We must have won the game. But I'll focus on the five percent things I didn't do well. And I'll be driving, and I'll be thinking, "Oh, why?" And I'll be kicking myself in the car. Why didn't? Is it? No, actually, you. Play, but isn't that a good thing not, to reflect? It's, it's, it's a good thing, but sometimes it can go too 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 too, too, far. too too far. Yeah, that's what I mean. So yeah, actually, oh, that's me. Oh, I did that. That's 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 great. That's good. But I focus too much on the ten percent that wasn't very very good. I should have. To, maybe perfection perfectionist. Uh, mentality, I don't know, but 
it, it helps you when you focus more on the positives, in my own opinion. Well, there's an, it's an interesting point to that because uh, Nuno has said it to me a couple of times in interviews where he kind of says, like, they aim for perfection, but they also acknowledge they're not going to achieve it. So it's that different balance of acknowledging that you are going to have faults, yeah. but always still trying to be the best you can possibly be. Yeah, I think, I think you've, got to, you've got to put the bar up there. And every so often you get ever so close. Yeah. But you have to set it. Yeah. Because you have something to say, you know what? That's that's where I want to be. So you think, Shay, that you didn't you kind of you set that bar and you focused too much too on much. Yeah. on not getting to what the standards you wanted yes. to be. Yes. What what I would have had someone tell me at the time was there's no way you can play a game of football without making mistakes. Yeah. And it's part of the game. But I will keep myself and I'm that tackle left to the goal I thought if I left that guy I should have probably brought, brought, brought him down took a yellow just things like that were just playing with your man oh yeah well that wasn't the time to touch him actually because the next time I'm doing the opposite of what I wanted to do and I'm bringing him down and they're scoring from the free kick and I'm thinking well, just leave him alone maybe we'll have put it top corner the keeper will have saved it and stuff and you just go through this barrage of emotion in your head and Whereas he played very, very well, actually. Yeah. You've created goals, you've scored goals yourself, we won the game, or we've nicked a point where it wasn't almost impossible. I, I, that was just me. No, I, again, I probably it's the analytical side of you that you, you do break everything down in that way, but I think there's there's a process that players, they do, we're always our own worst critic, you know. Uh, but to be fair, if I'd out and scored, scored some goals and we won, the bad things in that game wouldn't even be thought about because, you know, it is, it's, I guess it's a process that you have to... But that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because, like, in, you say you're, you're always your own worst critic. <laughs> I'm not sure, because if you miss chances, like, you look at modern football now, and it's, I don't know whether it's just social media that highlights it and stuff, but you can, like, you could have a game where for 89 minutes, you've been brilliant, you've made every tackle, you've done everything around. <clears throat> you make one bad pass and the opposition scores from it, that's what all the fans talk about. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you miss a chance, you you know you might have done everything else in the game that yeah. you've been asked to do. You miss a chance, and everyone's going to go, "Oh, Chris Waller missed a bit of chance." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do understand. I think social media plays a part. I was never, I, w- I wasn't on any social media when I when I played football. Uh, everyone's a journalist now. There's yeah. you can't get away yeah. from anything. But I think there's you still have to enjoy like. She's criticising himself even after a good performance because of little things. And I think there's a period that you have to think, right, I can, I've done well. I can work on those things. I know now. I've learned from that. The next day, it's done. You put whatever actions need to be put into place so that you you improve yeah. on that. But now, just don't beat yourself up too much because there's plenty of other people who will be willing to beat you up for it. Again, yes, there is. Yes, there is. And that's I think that's something that maybe we don't enjoy the good times enough, enough in football yeah. and they yeah. don't come around often there's, there's there's careers people go through their careers and they don't experience promotion they've played 20 years so you've got to make sure that I never realised until I retired I've told you this before but I've done alright yeah because you, I've never because you're on to the next yeah. you're on to the next thing alright promoted boom, next season yeah, next you're, one, you're, yeah. you're on again let's yeah. just stay in the league oh man yeah. challenging 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 all of a sudden you're not playing anymore you know, so yeah, criticize yourself, be practical, try and improve yourself, be the yeah. best person that you can be, yeah. but enjoy it. But again, it's, I think looking back now, you well, you've done all right for yourself, you've done this, you've done that. If you had thought about it at the time, could, could, do you think you would have limited your mental 
complacency sets in. Yeah, yeah, I think it can. It can. But that's that's us. to be a professional footballer. They say, oh, the alpha male, right? So, so she coming through. He's doing his studies in Nigeria. He was the alpha of his group. Boom. He then gets taken to another where there's all these alphas now. Yeah. So who's going to survive? Yeah. You have to be. You have to be. The, you have to. This is it. All these players that make it have that mindset. I am the best. They go into it. I want to be the best. Players go to teams. You think, why has he made that move? He's never going to get a game there. He believes he can because he believes I can go in there. Have that belief and confidence in myself. I'm going to go in there and make an impact. That's it. Yeah. And that's yeah. that. Or it wouldn't happen. I, t- I, t- I tell you a little story. Something happened the very first game I played for Wolves here that changed my psyche about this country and I knew I had to fight otherwise I'm not going to survive. Because everybody sees me as this big guy but deep down I know I'm very, very soft. <laughs> oh, this big guy is going to come and it's going to... The very first game we played here, something I've not seen before, Pauline's, uh, Mark Kennedy, all the players were talking, they were arguing in the dressing room, were fighting. We only had 15 minutes anyway in the dressing room. Players were there for 12 minutes. Manager only spoke for a minute. So players were sorting things out. They were blaming. Well, you should have passed the ball. You should have made that tackle. Do, do, do. Dr. Matt Perry had to come to me. Shay, um, sorry, it's not always like this. <laughs> it's not always <laughs> like this at all. Because he knew. I was like, wow. Uh, nah, well, if I'm going to ever play in this football club, I need to do that. Yeah. Otherwise, Otherwise it's not happening. Yeah, but you had that. Oh. Some players don't. Yeah. So some players, pff, that's them gone. Scramble. No matter what their ability is, some players, they can't handle that atmosphere. Yeah. But this is football. Yeah. Football's changed. Very. I, I'll be surprised. I've been in dressing rooms where I've seen fights. I've oh, seen yes. the manager oh. and the captain punch, yes. bomb, fight. But then we go out and we win the game. Yeah. And then at the end of the match, oh, yes. I've seen it. That's it, I've seen it. That's it. That's I remember. It. I remember. I was having a stinker, but I've scored a goal just before half time, and I knew the jelly babies were going to get thrown in my yeah. face. And I put the program up to cover my face as he's, he's hammering yeah. players, and he went and you, and then he bust out laughing because already they had the program up. So the jelly babies just hit the thing. He had them in his hand. He slung them. And he went and you, and then he, and that was it. Yeah. We went out. And we won the match. But right. it's just little things. It, it can kick off in there, but that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, but man, nobody's managers. kicking off with you, Shay. Ma- You're man- massive. Oh. Even Lou. Lou's can be deceiving, pal. <laughs> Lucas can be deceiving. Back then, he's massive now. You, you didn't, you, you didn't need the managers to, to sort of judge you. You judge yourself on the field of play. Yeah. Players, your players will judge you. They yep. will tell you whether you're good enough or not. You didn't. No, no. The manager didn't say enough a lot. But what you said earlier about players are they're waiting to be told what to do now yeah. a lot yeah. more. That that wasn't the case. I remember being in a in a match here at Wolves. Mick would say, "Right, this is what you're doing," and you're out. Carl Henry went, "Not happening." Five minutes, ten yep. minutes in, this isn't happening. This is what we're doing. Looms, this, bum, 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 bum. Jonah, in here. Yeah. And we just did it. And Mick doesn't say that because it just works. Because Carl Henry sees it all and he goes, this is what we're going to do. Yep. That's a captain. That's a leader. Jody Craddock at the back, Neil Collins at the back. Jody. What's that? What's that? Right. That's what you had them organising, yep. talking about. It doesn't happen in football today. No, it doesn't. Does. Even if it doesn't. Even if it's not working, <clears throat> players will still just do what the yeah, managers told them. It. They don't change it. Yeah. It's, it's frightening I remember I went. we, we trained all day we went to Swansea uh, this is when I was at, uh, at Burnley and we never touched the ball for 25 minutes we were 1-0 down Brian Laws just went like I think who was it it was the captain Duff uh, he went right man for man let's just go man for man yeah. and we battled them we just went man for man we never let them play so and it's, it's like that's what you need you need, you need leaders on the pitch for the, ball, the problems you solve I played with a, with a player here Gary Brain for, oh my god what a leader he was by the way we didn't need the manager. He just sat there. Shay, I know you're playing behind the striker, but now 
10 minutes at the end of the game, we're winning 1 0. Then they come and sit in here. Every yeah. first ball, you get it. I'll just drop and pick, and pick the bits up. So if he beats you, the center forward beats it away, I'm picking it up. But if because if I go and jump and I miss it, the center, the second center forward is coming in. Just so small things and yeah. the man, shit, no, don't worry, we got it covered, manager. And we, we solve the problem. We won games. That don't happen these days. I was waiting for the manager and the coaches to tell me what to do, and it's not the boys' fault. We need to sort of get back to that mentality yeah. of giving them the ownership to understand the game enough and what's required to win yeah. games. Um, I love this, and I, it, I all the way through when you're talking about taking responsibility and playing in a certain manner, all I could think about was you in staff games. Because the boys who've played with you, and there's a couple in this room at the back now, and I remember there was a game you played where I think it was you and Paul Lambert. Now, Shay is still in great shape, isn't <laughs> yeah. he? Like, he's still in amazing shape. And I've yes. said to him, like, he could he could still play now. Thank you and very much. all the talk was, like, you just... What are you laughing at, Yannick? <laughs> <laughs> you just absolutely dictating it. Just, just knowing exactly what you need to do. Passing it around your own penalty area, just cruising, yeah, well, cruising through the game. It's very, very easy when you play against chefs and <laughs> <laughs> and cleaners and whatever you and the media yeah, team, media team, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Josh. Sorry, sorry. Josh, <laughs> boy, boy, wait, wait for that. That's for the next game. <laughs> yeah, but the boys at the back of the room are all nodding. They're in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But you still got it. You don't lose it, do you? Yeah, well, you never had that it. knowledge, never that had, way to play. I never had it. No, you did have it. You're so it. modest. Yeah. Like there's little, so little bits that he picks up on all the way through. Even when you first came over and stuff, so modest, isn't he? Again, I think that's a a good way to be. I think uh, complacency doesn't set in. Then you know that your your feet are grounded. You know that you have to work hard for everything you get, and it is. It deserves everything that's came his way. I say, I say to a lot of people in football. A lot of players. I don't care whether you're present, past. I don't care how talented you are. If you've if you've been successful in football, there's so many better than you that didn't make it. Yeah. So if you have that mindset, you've got to be modest. I play with some players back home that I told you I didn't. I didn't. I never thought I was going to be a professional football player because where I came from, players littered the street, and I'm, I was at the back of the queue. So for me to be sat here. I was the next player, I played for Wolves, I played for this club. Knowing where I'm from, knowing the environment, the football industry, I should never be proud. Or, or, well, I should be proud of what I've done, what I've yeah. achieved. But I should never sit here thinking, well, I did everything on my own because I deserve it. No, 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 no. Because now it makes sense, the story that Matt Murray told us of a night out that you had. I think it was a Christmas party. Okay. You were away for two nights. And the first night was just a night out. The second night was fancy dress. You got it wrong and appeared in hotel reception in a full Zulu warrior outfit. And most people, I think, would have gone mental, would have had a go at their mates, would have gone back up and got changed immediately. You just went out. Okay. Didn't mind. It is what it is. We, we had this little Christmas do. Before the Christmas do, we, we, we had um, all alf- alphabets, A to Z, and whatever one you picked, you had to go with an animal that goes with it. So if you had an A, you probably have an antelope. I had a Z, Z, so I had to add, dress as a Zulu, a Zulu warrior. So I went all around with this, buying all this clothes, and oh yeah, Christmas is going to happen. And for some reason, I got the information wrong. We were supposed to go for an hour out the, day, the first day, then the following day was when we were supposed to come out with this... Yeah, and it was meant to be a secret. <laughs> so I just, everybody, oh, let's go. Everybody was in their nice jeans. And 
I came out in my office like, what's, what's going on here? No, shit, it's tomorrow. Boys was busted. I said, I was like, you know, what the heck? He's sending now anyway. I might as well just go over there and enjoy myself. The, the, big, the big question is, did that uh, question make an appearance the next day as well? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's you just never changed yet. That's right. Oh, but... She spent two days just as a Zulu warrior. Was this not, was this on in Dublin? Was this in Dublin? Was this was one? Was it Dublin? Was it no, it was in Newcastle, this one. Newcastle? In Newcastle, this one. So you spent two days walking two around days. Newcastle dressed as a Zulu warrior. warrior. Yeah. I, I love this so much. I, I say that's your character though, isn't it? You're not bothered. If people are laughing at you, fine. Chilled. Life is what we make it. Exactly. I love that. I love that so much about you. Um, you're a brilliant guy. I'll tell I you love, what. Like, I love Matt Murray for this anyway. Yeah, I will have him. <laughs> I promise. Well, yeah, there's opportunity there. If you've got anything you want to say about him, we will get you back on the program. Don't you worry. As soon as, as, soon as that comes to the memory, um, you can come back on. But no, I say it's brilliant to, um, to have you around the place because honestly, genuinely, you walk around the training ground and he's straight up there because Shay did commentary with me couple of years ago right still calls me gaffer gaffer yeah from <laughs> it he did two games with me and he still calls me gaffer he's the gaffer he's the boss you like that don't you i do like it <laughs> i do every time i see him i make a point of trying to make his attention just because he comes up it's like it'll be awkward because he'll be walking with a player or walking with another coach and he's like gaffer and i'm like yes <laughs> it's the boss. 10 foot tall loose <laughs> brilliant that's the guy um, it's been brilliant to have you on the program. Thank, Thank you very much. We just want to finish off as we do most of them. What was your proudest moment at Wolves? The very first game I played for Wolves, it wasn't it wasn't anything short of what I read about, what I expected, what I've been told, at the size of the club, and at the time, I've never said this to anybody. I think I almost saw a picture of where Wolves could get to, because it was it was a very very big club, and it's still. A very very big club, so I was very very grateful for the opportunity. I had the opportunity and the privilege of playing for my country for ten years, but to be playing for a Premier League club in England with Ramsey Wanderers, it was a dream come true. Thanks for listening to the Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts.